praise this morning. Would you do that? Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We are in your presence here today. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you this morning could say you feel the presence of the Lord here in this place? My God, he is so, so awesome. Thank you so much to our singers, our musicians, everyone. Would you just remain standing just a few more moments? We're going to go to the book of Judges. If you'd take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6, and our kids can be dismissed at this time. Follow Miss Tabitha out. And uh, Judges, chapter 6, the rest of you, if you would just take your finger or marker, mark Judges, chapter 6. That's where we're going to go second and go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to go a couple different places this morning. So Mark, Judges chapter 6, we'll come back to that secondly, and then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then we're going to go to chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Some of you are saying, oh Lord, I see why I preached so long in the first service now, but I want you to get this whole picture. It makes sense when, when I put it all together. Just stay with me. The book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I'm reading from the King James Version this morning. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now flip over to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 6. I promise I'm going to put this together. I know some of you are thinking, what in the world is he doing? Judges, chapter 6, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, have you lost your Pentecost. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for what you've done so far. Thank you for what you did in the first service. Thank you for what you've done already in this service. And I'm believing you've got so much more ahead. And Lord, I just ask this morning that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary. Lord, let your word be like fire shut up in my bones, Lord. And I pray that you'd give me the strength physically to do what you've called me to do today. Lord, I pray for every heart, mind, and spirit listening to me, both here in this building, listening on podcasts, God. Lord, do what only you can do. Father, we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here today. As I begin this morning, of course, most of you are aware of the fact that this is Pentecost Sunday. And I still believe in the Pentecostal experience. I believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And I believe that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence as the Spirit gives the utterance. I believe now more than ever we need the power of the Holy Ghost working in the church. There's never been a time like this time. There have been wicked times throughout the Bible. There have been evil times throughout the Bible. But what there has never been is the time that we're in, for I truly believe that we are in the last days. 
Scripture tells us, the Apostle Paul even talks about when he was still alive on this planet, how the spirit of the Antichrist had already come and would continue to increase as the, as the return of Jesus grew closer. Never has anyone on this planet faced the spirit of the Antichrist as we do Today, And I am convinced that even though we certainly need education, we certainly need training, we certainly have to put together plans and programs, I am convinced that none of that will amount to anything without the power of the Holy Ghost working and moving in the lives of the people and the church. Somebody give God praise if you believe that. We must have the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's, let's begin to dig into this. I want to be sensitive of the time, and I want to get this in here. If you'll follow me, if you're taking notes, I'm going to try to make this clear. So first of all, we might ask the question, well, what is Pentecost? Well, I'm glad you asked whether you did or not. I'm going to give you the answer to that question. Well, Pentecost is much older. Many times we make the mistake and we talk about Pentecost and we act like Pentecost just began in Acts chapter 2. We act like that, that Pentecost was not around until that day that the church was birthed and the Holy Ghost was poured out. Now, of course, that was a significant experience and event. When the church was born and the Holy Ghost was poured out, Jesus said, it's expedient that I go because I've got another comforter. Please don't misunderstand me. But for us to truly understand what Pentecost is about, we need to go back to the beginning of Pentecost. And Pentecost goes back further than Acts chapter 2. In fact, Pentecost goes all the way back to the Old Testament. When we go to the Old Testament and in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, we read about the Feast of Pentecost, which was also called the Feast of Weeks. And this was seven weeks after the Passover. So what is Pentecost? Pentecost was called the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. And it was seven weeks after the Passover. Now there's also something super important I want you to get here. This timing in the land of Israel also coincided with the wheat harvest. Everybody say wheat harvest. So that's pathetic. Everybody say wheat harvest. <laughs> there we go. I knew y'all could do better. So here's what I want you to connect, first of all, at the beginning of this. That all the way back in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, as we find the beginnings of Pentecost, we find that because of the timing and because of what was happening, we find that from the beginning, Pentecost has always been tied to harvest. I need somebody to get that in your spirit. You see, what this preacher has come to talk about this morning is this. I think you know me well enough to know this. I'm all for exuberant worship. I'm all for feeling those goosebumps. I'm all for the feeling I get when the Spirit of Almighty God comes. I have nothing against when people get under the Spirit. I've, I have been touched by the power of the Holy Ghost, and I have fallen out in the floor before. I'm not preaching against that. I'm all for that. But listen, this is what I need you to understand, that that stuff is the byproduct of it. The true purpose of Pentecost is and has always been that Pentecost is tied to harvest. I'm telling you this. That's why I read in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, you're going to be endued with power from on high. He didn't say, I'm going to give you power to swing from the chandeliers. He didn't say, I'm going to give you power to run the backs of the pews. He didn't say, I'm going to give you power to huck a buck and helicopter and all that. And again, don't take me wrong. I'm all for that stuff. But what I'm telling you is those are the byproducts of it. But what Pentecost has always been about and still should be about is God had it about harvest. God wants to empower you to be a witness. He said, you're going to be endued with power from on high to be my witnesses. I need everybody under the sound of my voice to understand this today. God wants to give you the power of the Holy Ghost so that you can 
and tell people about Jesus. He wants you to be endued with this power from on high so that you can tell your mama, your daddy, your greasy, greasy granny. You can tell everybody you come in contact with about how good that Jesus Christ is. Somebody say amen. So let's look at Gideon and Pentecost. I got I got seven things here. Excuse me, eight things here. If you're taking notes, a couple eight things here with Gideon and Pentecost. So stay with me. I'm putting all this together. I promise. Number one, when we look at Gideon and Pentecost, we find that the enemy had broken their unity. Can I stop for just a moment and say, well, how do you know that Gideon and Pentecost were were tied together here? Again, I go back to what I told you at first. When did I tell you that the Feast of Pentecost, what did it coincide with? The wheat harvest. And we find Gideon here doing what? Threshing wheat. So it's safe to say, somebody, come on, that this was during Pentecost. He was threshing wheat. This is coinciding with the same time. So, so how do we find here? First of all, I said the enemy had broken their unity. Why? Because we find them hiding in caves. Keep your Bible open. Keep your app open, whatever you're using. Judges chapter 6 and verse 2. I'm going to read it again. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. Folks, what we find here are the people of God, the people of God that had already been. Listen, I preached last week about Abraham and God, how God gave Abraham that promise. I'm going to make you as numerous. Remember the picture up there? Numerous as the stars in the sky. He said, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be your land. So what happens? We know by this point in the book of Judges, Abraham's gone. Isaac's gone. Jacob's gone. God, they went to Egypt and we find that God delivered. Moses was raised up. They came out of Egypt. Joshua was raised up. They went in and conquered the promised land. They're living there right now. They're living in the promise. But what happened? Because they had allowed idolatry and sin, now the Midianites had come in and they were, the enemy had broken up their unity and the people, instead of living in the land God had promised, they were hiding in dens and caves. You see, let me understand me. I want to be very clear here this morning. I completely understand the year we went through in 2020. I'm not one of those that would say, oh, COVID's not real. I know COVID's real. I had it back in July. All four of us had it back in July. I'm not saying it wasn't real. It was, it's real. Uh, listen, I know I had to bury people that because they had underlying conditions and, and I had to do their funerals. I know it's real. So please don't misunderstand me here. But listen, I also know that, that in, the enemy is what brings sickness. The enemy is what brings disease. And the enemy wants to do what he can to break up the church. Don't you think for one minute that the enemy was not happy last year when churches could not even come together? It is the enemy that wants to try to break up the church. It is the enemy that wants to try to keep us from coming together. It is the enemy because, listen, the enemy knows that when the church of the living God comes together, there is no more mighty movement than the church of the living God when they come together. And you, the Bible says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. In fact, he said it's like the oil when it ran down the head of Aaron down his beard all the way down to his feet. When the church comes together in unity, there's anointing. When the church comes together in unity, there's power. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to bust up the church. The enemy had broken their union. What else do we find with Gideon and Pentecost? Second of all, the Midianites had attacked their harvest. Look at verse 4, still Judges chapter 6. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. So we find that the Midianites attacked their harvest. They had sown the seed. They had went out and they had sown the seed, and they saw the harvest coming in, but the Midianites came in and destroyed their 
harvest. Listen, I'm telling you that that's what the enemy is trying to do today. He wants to destroy the harvest of the church. Folks, there's a world out there that is lost and dying and going to hell. And the enemy wants to steal and destroy the harvest of the church. Your mama, your grandmama, your children, your grandchildren, your cousin, your friends. The enemy wants to try to destroy them. But we need to see something. I want you to see this important and not verse. And number three that we find in this, that though they attacked their harvest, they couldn't stop the seed. You need to write that down. And I don't think anybody really got that down in your spirit. You see, they destroyed the harvest, but they couldn't stop the seed. You say, what is the seed? Folks, I'm convinced that Jesus talked about it. He talked about it when he was here on earth. And he said that the seed, there was no, no parable that Jesus described in as much detail as he did about the seed and the sower. And Jesus said that the seed is what? It's the word of of God. The enemy came in and the enemy destroyed the harvest, but the enemy cannot touch the seed. Why is it? Because as long as you've still got a seed, there is still hope. I came this morning on Pentecost Sunday 2021 to remind you, Starkville Church of God, that though the enemy may have come in and he may have destroyed our harvest over the years, there is still a seed that is sure. There is still a seed that will not pass away. There is still a seed that the enemy cannot get his dirty mitts on. The seed is the word of God and the word of God will remain forever. What else do we find? Number four, Gideon and Pentecost in this, we find that they would almost see the fruit of their labor and then the enemy would come and steal their harvest and take their increase. We find it's clear. They let them sow. They let them cultivate. They let the harvest grow up until it was ready. And it was at that moment that the enemy would then attack. Have you ever been in that before? Where you're sowing and you see it and you almost see people come to the Lord and you almost see. And it's just like you're just almost there and the enemy swoops in and tries to destroy. Oh, let me preach. I didn't even say this in the first service. Have you ever seen? I've seen it before. I've lived it before in a church where God starts blessing and God starts moving and you begin to see, you know that the harvest is coming and all of a sudden the enemy comes in and he brings some kind of division or he brings some kind of garbage that then begins to destroy and cuts it off before the harvest is almost there. They took five, they took their increase. Have you ever felt like that before, that you're just giving and giving and working and working and you just can't seem to get the increase? Well, number six, what is increase? Well, I think you've learned, especially over the last couple of weeks as I've been preaching, some people might say that increase is stuff. But I don't believe that stuff is really increase because I believe that it's clear, as I talked to you about in Luke chapter 12 last week, the man that had a lot of stuff. Abundance isn't increase and activity isn't increase. What is increase? I believe that increase in the, in the sight of God and the church, increase is harvest. It is souls won to the kingdom of God. What is Gideon and Pentecost? Number seven, Pentecost was a time of rejoicing. But now they were hiding in fear because the enemy had stolen their Pentecost. You see, it was supposed to be a time of rejoicing. It was a time of reaping. It was a time of their reward. How many of you here, how many of you here work? How many you go to work? Come on. Let me see it. Anybody? You still work? How many of you here you work and you get a paycheck? Well, I know it's direct, most stuff is direct deposit now, and you don't actually, but how many of you get some kind of pay for your work? Let me see your hand. That's what you go to work for, ain't it? I know no matter how much you like your boss, no matter how much you like your company, 
when you get up tomorrow morning and you go to work, what are you going for? You going because you know there's going to be a payday. And Pentecost was that payday for those that were working. They were an agricultural society. And Pentecost, that wheat harvest, was supposed to be a time of rejoicing. But now they were hiding in fear. Why? Because the enemy had stolen their Pentecost. Eighth, we find Gideon in this story. And he was threshing wheat behind the wine press and not on the threshing floor, and that was because of fear. I'm going to get into detail about that in just a minute or two. So what are the effects then of losing Pentecost? i got three things under this I want you to take. Number one, the effects of losing Pentecost is a limited harvest. They were barely getting enough to just barely get by. There was a big harvest out in the field, but the people that were sowing and the people that were cultivating and the people, if they did any kind of, of watering of any sort in that day and time, those people that were doing that were not getting the full effect of it. They were simply living on a limited harvest and a meager amount. Folks, I tell you, I feel like the church, we've been doing that. And I'm not even talking about just the Starkville Church of God or even just the Church of God. I'm talking about the church for quite a while now. It feels like we have just been barely living on a meager amount. Maybe once in a while we'll see somebody get saved. Maybe every month or two or one or two a year we might see somebody get saved. But we're barely living on a meager amount it seems secondly the effects is we can't occupy what is rightfully ours what we have lost are the things that God has given us I remind you one more time it was God that promised Abraham long long ago this is your land and what had happened, these people that were the inheritance, the seed of Abraham, they were supposed to be living in this inheritance. What happened to them? They weren't even living in it. They were stuck in caves and holes somewhere because of the enemy. Folks, we live in a nation right now. Church, we are living in a nation where we can't just freely go into our schools and pray and preach anymore. We're living in a nation now where we can't even go into our capital and freely pray and preach anymore. We're living in a day where the land that God has given us and blessed us with, we cannot freely go in anymore. Why? Because we're afraid. God help me. Thirdly, what are the effects of living in, of losing our Pentecost? We live in a constant state of fear and oppression. And sad to say, many today in the church are living in that state. They're afraid they're oppressed. And it caused Gideon to be behind the wine press and not on the threshing floor. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking that's the second time you've mentioned that. When are you going to get to that? I'm, I'm building anticipation. Punch the person beside you and said, he's building it here. He's building it here. So, so here's what I want you to see. Now, when we are behind the wine press, three things. Number one. We have to rely on our own strength and our own effort. Are you ready for this? I'm going to tell you about Gideon and the wine press. Here's what Gideon was doing. We find that Gideon was threshing wheat. Well, here's what you need to know about wheat. When you thresh wheat, you're supposed to thresh wheat on the threshing floor and not behind the wine press. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Well, right up here, this little, it's kind of blurry. It's kind of ugly, but there's, there's a reason why I've got this picture up here because I want you to see this. Because this right here is a picture of a threshing floor. Everybody say threshing floor. So here's what happens on a threshing floor. They harvest the wheat in the field, and they bring the wheat to the threshing floor. And most of the time, they try to put the threshing floor, as you can kind of see, they want it to be exposed up on a hill. Why? Because they need the wind to be able to flow. Why is that? 
I'm glad you asked that too because here's what happens. They bring the wheat and they bring it to the threshing floor and they take what is called a winnowing fork and they lay the wheat on the threshing floor and they take the winnowing fork and they scoop it and they throw it up in the air. And here's what happens. The good stuff, the grains of wheat are heavier and they fall. The yucky stuff, the chaff, the stuff you don't want to eat, the stuff that gets all the old barky junk that sometimes if you eat and you get it in your teeth, there's a little bit still in there. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. That stuff is lighter. And when you're on the threshing floor where the wind can blow, the good stuff falls, but the bad stuff, the wind blows it. And as you can see there, ideally blows it off the side of the hill and gets rid of it. Are y'all following me? Clear, clear, clear as mud. <laughs> so here's what was happening. That's where you're supposed to thresh wheat. Gideon, we find, was threshing wheat behind the wine press. Now here's what you've got to understand. That the wine press was this container where, of course, they could press wine. And I know you're getting all these images of this medieval stuff where they got the grapes and they're in there with their bare feet. Come on. Y'all with me? And they're, they're in there doing all that. It, regardless of get, just don't even worry about that because that doesn't even really matter, even though it grosses me out to think about that. What, all you really need to know for this purpose is this. That as he was standing behind the wine press, he was basically standing what? Behind a wall. And here's what's going to happen. Guess what? As long as I stand behind this wall right here, I'm never going to get hit by the wind. So here's what he was doing. He was trying to do a job in the wrong place. And, and after seven years of this, we find that he was only interested in getting just enough to get by. Why? Because this was the ineffective place to thresh wheat because it took more work on his part without the help of the wind. Some of y'all going to get this in a second. Church, I, can I just remind you, we read in the book of Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound like as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house. Go throughout the scripture and you find the Holy Ghost is referred to as the wind. Here's what we've got to have in the church, folks. we got to have the wind of the Holy Ghost blowing in the church again and he is the one that's going to help us do what's got to be done you see as long as you're behind the threat behind the wine press all that can happen is what you can make happen as long as you're behind the wine press and the wind of the Holy Ghost can't blow. It's all about your efforts, what you can do, your strength. But folks, here's what I need somebody in this place to understand. That when you get on the threshing floor, yes, it's going to take some effort from us. You still had to get the winnowing fork, and you still had to throw it in the air. But when you did that on the threshing floor, the wind would come by and aid you. And here's what we need. We're still going to have to work in the church. We're still going to have to put some efforts out. We still got to prepare if we're going to preach. We still got to prepare if we're going to teach. We still got to practice if we're going to sing and play but if we could ever get to the place again where we get ourselves on the threshing floor and we put our efforts into the best of our ability and then we let the wind of the Holy Ghost begin to blow again it is then and there that we can truly see the harvest what else happens when we're behind the wine press well it then kind of becomes less work even though it's our work because what happens is it's so difficult and so hard that we get our little bit done and we forget about everything else out there. 
See, Gideon had just got to the place where I just got to get enough. I know it's hard over here, but I just got to get enough for me and my family, and the enemy can just have the rest of it out there. Oh, my, my, my. I just wish some of y'all get this in your spirit. How have we in the church, we have gotten so, as long as I'm okay, long as my family's okay, who cares about the rest of them lost folks out there? Who cares about the rest of the harvest out there? I'm just going to let that go. As long as me and mine, as long as we're okay, I'm just going to give up. I'll just let the enemy, they can just, the Midianites can just have the rest. No! There's a harvest out there. We can't be satisfied with just getting for us four and no more. And no, we've got to get to the place again where we've got a desire to see the entire harvest brought in. I'm going to give you this one. And I'm going to sit down and take a drink of water with this too because I want you all to hear me for just a second, all right? Something else about it. When you hide behind the wine press, there is less fighting. The enemy, the devil, is limited in resources. Some people get so scared of the devil thinking, let me, let me just remind you, the devil is not omnipresent, he is not omnipotent, and he is not omniscient. The devil is a created being with a limited amount of resources. And as long as you are not a threat to him, he only has so much he can do. And if you're not a threat to him, he's going to leave you alone. Gideon knew as long as he hid over in the corner and just got his little bit and wasn't really a threat to the Midianites, what happened? They left him alone. Folks, long as we just sit up on this hill, just kind of enjoy our little bunch, you know, and enjoy going through our motions and even have a few good services every once in a while, devil leave us alone. Folks, I'm telling you, though, when you really start getting out, when we really start getting out, when we really start praying and interceding, when we really start seeing people come in and get saved, when we really start seeing drug addicts get saved and prostitutes get saved, we really start seeing that, hey, the devil, hmm. devil don't like that kind of stuff. He's going to come in and he's going to try to stop it and he's going to attack, but don't you get scared about that because let me remind you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, then who in the world can be against us? I've come to tell you that if you hide behind the wham press, there is less fighting, but God didn't call us to hide. He called us to raise up as a mighty army, the church of the living God, that we would storm this world for the kingdom of God. So let's look at this, continue on. I see what time it is. I got to hurry. Judges chapter 6 still. Look at verse, I think I skipped verse 11. Did I read verse 11? I'm going to read it anyway. There came an angel of the Lord, sat under oak, which was in Orpha, and pertained unto Joash the Abizurite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And now verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Just pause right there. I'm not done reading, but pause right there. God said that to the coward hiding behind the wine press. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why? Why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, 
and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So here's what Gideon was saying in effect. Manasseh was thought to be the least tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Gideon is saying here, Lord, I am the least son of the least family of the least tribe in this entire nation. But God looked at him and said, you mighty man of valor. I need somebody in this house to listen to the voice of the Lord because God is talking to somebody here today and he is looking at you and he is saying, oh, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor. You don't feel like, you feel like you're the least of the least of the least of the least and that's okay because that's the kind of business God is in. I read all throughout this book and that's what God likes to do. He likes to take the most unlikely. He likes to take the weakest of of the week. Why? Because they can't get the credit then. Because God wants to get the credit for what he does. So Gideon we find had no doubt thought I wish somebody else would do something about this. And that is the response I figured would come. How many of us have thought that needs to be done. I wish somebody else would do that. Oh, I've been pastoring too long. Y'all can't tell me nothing. I, I, I know about this. How many times people say, Pastor, I just really see this needs to be done. Do you know anybody that could do it? <laughs> Y'all going to be quiet now. That's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching. Oh, I, I just see this. I just... Something needs to be done there. Something so desperately. That, that, that class needs to be taught. I'm going to meddle now. I'm going to meddle. Oh, we got some kids Sunday school class. We need to get some kids Sunday school classes going. Oh, if somebody would just teach, if somebody else would just teach them. I'm going to get back here and get you all all nervous now. Oh, we just, we did, there's so much that need, we still need, we, we need more help on Wednesday nights teaching kids. We need help in the nursery. We need all kinds of help, doing all kinds of things. If only somebody else would just do it. And God is, look, I'm going to look this way, so I ain't even looking at nobody in particular. But you just listen to my voice, because God is saying to somebody, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor, there's somebody listening to me that God is stirring you and telling you it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to do something. It's time for you to do what God has called you to do, because he'll give you the power. He'll give you the ability. He'll give you the authority to do what he's called you to do. Gideon wanted, Gideon wanted somebody else to do it, but not him. But God is speaking to somebody, and the pastor is speaking to somebody here too. Somebody needs to start praying like you know needs to be done. Somebody needs to start volunteering to teach classes and get in the nursery and do all the things that need to be done around here. Somebody needs to stand up. We've got to make up our minds that we want our Pentecost back. It's 11 minutes after 12. I'm wrapping this up, I promise. In fact, whoever's coming to the keyboard, go ahead and do that. That'll help me get quicker on this. So how do we get it back? Two things. We've got to realize that God is calling and he's calling you. I wish you'd just nudge the person beside you, look at them, and say, God's calling you. Come on. God's calling you. Now look right back at that person and say, he's calling you too. <laughs> I told you that the Lord looked at him. The Lord came down. The same coward hiding behind the wine press, he looked at Gideon, the coward, and said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, oh, my Lord, 
me? I'm the least. I'm the least in my house, the least, my family. I'm the least in my family. My family's the least in my tribe. The tribe's the least of this. We've got hundred excuses there. But God is talking to somebody here today, somebody in this building, somebody listening to me on podcasts and saying to you, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor, it is time for you to stand up and operate in the calling that I have on your life. We've got to realize that God is calling and he's calling us. I need you to hear me. It is what God says about you that matters and not what anybody else thinks. I don't care what your mama said about you, your daddy said about you, your second grade teacher said about you. I don't even think I've told y'all. I don't think I have. I, I, told, I told it at Bethalto. Lord, I had about a year or so. It was before, it was before COVID. I had a teacher, a high school, everybody but one teacher, like believe it or not, everybody but one teacher like me. And I had a stinking high school teacher, I'm not even going to tell you the subject, message me on Facebook after years. I mean, I've been pastoring like 17 years at that point, message me and say, I can't believe you're a preacher. care what she says about me. God called me. <laughs> so I don't care what a teacher said about you, what your mama said about you, what a friend said about you. I don't even care what you say about you. All that matters is what he says about you and he says you are a mighty man you are a mighty woman of God that if you will put your life in his hands he will anoint you and empower you and use you so we find y'all can go ahead and start playing so I'll shut this down verse 25 of chapter 6 here I want you to see this the second thing First was you realize God is calling, he's calling you. Second, you have to clean up your house. Uh-oh. Verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, listen to this, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Verse 27, Then Gideon took the men of the servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. You see, the root cause of all this was that Israel had allowed idolatry to come into their lives and their nation. You see, if we want to get our Pentecost back, we got to clean up our house. We've got to clean up our homes. we got to clean up our lives. Can I say it like this? We've got to find an altar of repentance. Here's what happens. Most of the time we think, oh, repentance, that's just for those sinner folks. They come in and repent. But folks, you read this book, nine times out of ten, the people God's calling to repentance are His people. If Pentecost is valuable enough to you, you'll give up whatever you have to, no matter what anyone thinks or says. Listen, I read you that. He cut down his father's idols. His father's grove, which was a place of idol worship. What kind of flack do you think he thought he was coming? This was a dude that was just cowering behind the wine press, and now he son got bold. So Gideon took his Pentecost back. 
Look at verses 33 and 34. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. Listen to this. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. Do you see that? What happened? Pentecost. Keep that up there if you will. Remember, we're talking about getting our Pentecost back. And Gideon cleaned up his life and he cleaned up his house. And what happened? The Spirit of the Lord. Folks, I'm asking. I'm I'm asking. It's time for a revival of repentance. And when we begin to repent and clean up our house, what's going to happen? The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will come on the church again. And old Gideon went from hiding down here behind the wine press, barely getting by, to standing out in the open and what happened he didn't just stand out in the open come on somebody he went from cowering and trying to make sure the Midianites never knew he was there to getting up top and I wish I had a shofar to blow but I don't and he starts blowing a trumpet And what happened? Israel then, what does it say there? They begin to come out. They begin to crawl out. And Abiezer was gathered after him. In other words, once Gideon stood up, some other folks that was hiding started kind of peeking out and saying, Hey, is that Gideon? If If he'll get out, I'm going to crawl out of my hole. Come on, church. If somebody would just repent, realize God is calling you, clean up your house, and the Spirit of the Lord will come on you. You'll get bold. You'll start standing up. You'll start blowing a trumpet. And when you do, other folks are going to say, well, if they'll be bold enough, I'm going to be bold enough. If he'll crawl out of his hole, I'm going to crawl out of my hole. Hey, folks, this is what I'm believing for. I prayed for in the 9 o'clock service, and I'm praying for now. I'm praying and believing. I've got to, I believe that God is going to let us see a harvest here, but it's not just here. I pray for Startful Church of God that we will stand, that we will repent, that we will clean up our lives, and that we will stand up and begin to blow a trumpet, and it'll cause other churches to start to crawl out of our holes. I don't want God to just fill up this church. I want God to fill up every church across this town. Let us be a catalyst. Let us be used by God so that other people say hey it's time for us to stand up it's time for us to crawl out of our holes it's time for us to be used by God and reap this last day harvest come on give God praise if you believe it here today stand with me all across this building if you will and here's what I'm going to do I'm going to give you the same altar call that I gave in the first service because I believe it's going to take all of us. I'm giving an altar call for us first of all to realize, as I said, God is calling and he's calling you. Every person I'm looking at, every person on the sound of my voice, everybody listening to me right now on podcast, God is talking to you.
God's not just called me. He's called all of us. He's calling you. And the second thing is that we repent. This is an altar call. I'm asking for us as the church to repent. There is something about, listen, we've kind of gotten away with it. Listen, I believe there's, some, there's value. What we did, this baby dedication, I believe there's value in that. And I believe there's value also when we as a church, when we come up around these altars and we get on our knees together and say, Lord, we repent. We repent of our sins. We repent of the sins of our families. We repent of the sins of the church. We repent of the sins of our nation. We repent, oh God. And we clean up our lives. And then guess what I believe? That just as Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come again upon us. And He's going to use us and we're going to be bolder for Christ than we have ever been before. So here's what I want to ask you. If you're here today, and I'm not, listen, I told you oh, just a while ago, this is not just for us. I know we've got visitors from other churches, but listen, so this is not just a startful Church of God thing, but if you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, and you say, I want Jesus to use me. I want to know what he says about me. I want to repent, and I want the Holy Ghost to come upon me. Would you just come and find a place in these altars, make a move toward God? Would you do that? Come and kneel. Come and kneel these steps, these altars, these front pews. I just wish you'd make a move toward God this morning. And let's just come and say, Lord, I want to know what you say about me. I want to know what you say about me. And then we want to repent, Lord. We repent of our wicked ways. We repent of the sin in our lives. We repent for the sins of our family. We repent for the sins of our churches. We repent for the sins of our land. We repent, oh God. And we're going to clean our lives up. And we're going to ask, oh Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God be poured out upon us afresh and anew in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, right now that we would hear and understand what you say about us, oh God. What you say about us, Lord Jesus. That you're calling us, Lord. That you're calling us. That you want to use us. Every single one of us, you've got a purpose and a plan and a mission for us to accomplish. And we pray in Jesus' name. Lord God, that we would hear you, what you say about us. I come against all the negative. I come against every negative thing that's been spoken over every person here. And Lord, it would be pushed aside. And that they would simply hear what you say. Mighty man, mighty woman of God. He's calling. Oh, Jesus. And we repent today. We repent today of how we fail. We repent today of our sins personally. We repent today of our sins as families. We repent today of our sins as churches. We repent today for the sins of our nation, oh Lord. Lord, we come in repentance. And we ask that you'd help us to clean up our lives. That we would knock down the idols. That we would cut down the groves, oh God. That we would get rid of all the garbage that's preventing us from being in your will and stopping your blessings from flowing in our lives. Lord, help us to clean it up. Let the Holy Ghost of God convict us and lead us and direct us where we need to clean junk up out of our lives, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we pray that the wind of the Holy Ghost would begin to blow like never before. We pray that the Holy Ghost, after Gideon heard you, after Gideon repented and cleaned up his life, then the Holy Ghost came upon him. And we pray today that we would get our Pentecost back as we repent, as we hear you. Let the Holy Ghost come upon us afresh and anew and we would stand up in boldness blow a trumpet in Zion oh God not caring what the enemy thinks about it oh God let your spirit let your spirit come
Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. God, let us be a catalyst. Let us be a catalyst. Let us be a catalyst that as we repent, that as we clean up, that as we listen to you, and that as we stand up and blow a trumpet, that others would crawl out of their holes of hiding. Oh, God, let us be that here. Lord, I pray for every church in this city, oh, God, that you would pour out your spirit from the pulpit to the pew, oh, Lord. Raise up a mighty army to reap this last day harvest in the name of Jesus that no, we're no longer satisfied with just barely getting by, that we're no longer satisfied with just enough, Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, if you want a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost, just put your hands in the air right now and say, Lord, fill me afresh and anew. Come on, just put your hands up and say, Lord, fill me afresh and anew with your spirit. Fill me afresh and anew with your spirit. Let your spirit come upon me in the name of Jesus. Let me stand up and blow a trumpet. Let me crawl out of my hole of hiding. Let me be bold against the forces of hell and stand up. Yes, Jesus. Fill us. Fill us. Let the wind. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are well. Holy Ghost. I want you to just come and stand right here facing me. Anybody here, you just feel an urgency and you say, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Ah, oh, yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. Shoulder to shoulder. Line up right here. Shoulder to shoulder. You say, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? You say, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. I know there's some more here. Please don't be shy. Please don't be shy. 
Yes. You say, I want a fresh infilling. There we go. I knew there was more. I knew there was more. Come on. You say, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. It's the day of Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost. He's just as real. The Holy Ghost is just as real today as he was on that first Pentecost Sunday in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Come on and call out to him. Come on and praise him. The old timers used to say, the Holy Ghost comes on the wings of praise. Just praise him. Just praise him. Just begin to worship him right now. Just begin to pray. Yeah. Ah, just begin to ask him, Lord. Fill me afresh and anew. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, Holy Ghost. Fall in this place. Fall in this place. Feel a fresh Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, come on, sing it. Church of God today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yes, oh Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Let us experience the glory of your good. 
you just reach over and just touch somebody on the shoulder. If it's your family member and you feel comfortable, take them by the hand. That's fine. But just make some point of contact right there. I want you to just pray that the Lord would fill them afresh and anew. Would you do that right now? Just make a point of contact right there. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray for one another. That's what you've called us to do as the church. We're a family. We are a family, O oh Lord, and we pray one for another, and we pray for a fresh infilling. We pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit in this place today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that nobody, nobody leaves this place the same way they came in, but they leave this place refreshed. They leave this place, God, Lord, filled with your spirit, God, that their cup would be overflowing as they walk out of this building here today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Pour out your spirit. Let the wind of the Holy Ghost blow in this house, O oh Lord. Blow away the chaff. Blow away the garbage, O oh Lord. Blow away the stuff that doesn't need to be there so that the sustenance, the wheat remains, oh Lord. Yeah, yeah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. 